Hello and welcome to the latest West Mercia Police and Crime Commissioner podcast. Uh, my name is uh, John Campion and I'm the uh, West Mercia Police and Crime Commissioner and I'm joined today uh, with a guest from West Mercia Police who I'll let introduce himself. I'm Chief Superintendent Tom Harding and I cover all of our local policing areas across West Mercia. So that's a big, uh, big geographic area. Tom, you cover um, all parts of all the three counties uh, within the force area and a lot of staff as well uh, underneath that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's Shropshire, Herefordshire and Worcestershire. And within those three counties, we've got five what we call local policing areas uh, and many hundreds of staff uh, working across all three of those counties 24-7. Uh, some officers, some PCSOs and some civilian staff. Excellent. Um, Obviously, uh, you joined today on uh, an, an interesting times. Uh, 12 months ago, we wouldn't have said uh, that we would be talking about um, all the things we are talking about at the moment, including uh, the health emergency that uh, our communities have lived through over the last uh, uh, last uh, few months. Primarily during this podcast, I do want to talk about where we go next, you know, what policing and our communities um, uh can expect and indeed uh, should be thinking about. Uh, but it is worth just reflecting on um, the last couple of months and the extraordinary times that we've uh, that we've uh, lived through. Um, as a civilian, it's felt um, very positive that West Mercia Police have reacted to the challenges presented by that health emergency to support our communities uh, to keep them safe. From you as a, a local senior uh, police officer, what does it what's it felt like from you and your and your teams? Yeah, I think both the community and the police service in general have been thrown into uh, completely uncharted territory in terms of dealing with a health emergency on on the scale that we have. There will be many things that will come out of this, lots of learning uh, for us, but I think the overriding thought so far is how fantastically well the community have worked with us, that we hopefully have been able to support the community, you know, been inundated with thanks, as we've seen on our on the Thursday evenings where people have been clapping for our NHS workers and our carers, but they've also been including the wider emergency services family in that. And uh, I think that's really helped a lot of my staff in how they deliver policing over the last couple of months, that they feel that they're doing it with the support and the consent of the community, and that makes their job far more rewarding. Um, so a real positive, which has come out of uh, an incredibly tragic uh, health uh, emergency. Because here in, in the UK, the policing by consent system is often described, but I'm not sure is always really understood. Um, um, compared to the 1.2 million population, uh, uh, police service of uh, just over 2,000, um, it, it has to be done by consent, doesn't it? It's not done yeah. by done by force. So even through the most stringent restrictions on our civil liberties in recent months, we've actually seen very little, um, you know, uh, fixed penalty uh, or indeed uh, what I call draconian enforcement of those of those rules. It's done by consent. The, the public have largely complied or they, they felt they've complied. Yeah, and we very much focused on engaging with the communities uh, and educating them. So these were clearly new rules for all of us. Some people uh, understood them very clearly. Others, uh, there were some quite blurred uh, lines. People were asking questions about whether they could go to their allotment as part of their exercise. Could they?
their drive to exercise. And when you implement any new rules, there's always that lack of clarity around certain circumstances, which is why we have many cases that go through the courts that actually provide us with that clarity on legislation over, over many years. So I think with all of the unknowns, I think everyone has pulled together incredibly well. And it's the numbers that you say there when you talk about our population and the fact that we've got about just over 2,000 officers, uh, the vast majority of who are unarmed, etc. We absolutely can only police if the public allow us to police and that they support us in doing that. Um, and this has been a prime example of it. If everyone had chosen to disobey those rules and regulations and had scant regard for the safety of everyone else, then we wouldn't have been able to police it. So uh, it's been a great team effort so far. I've seen um, I've seen a lot of the messages coming out from West Mercer to the community, and they've been very much centred on uh, supporting the community to do the right thing. You know, the uh, uh, we're never going to be able to give um, uh, answers to everybody's unique situations, but giving those reinforcing those general principles that people um, should follow. And I, like you, have had a lot of positive. Um, feedback from uh, the community it, it's not all good and, and it's not all and that's not what it's about there will always be uh, the elements of our society that, that, that think the police should do more or indeed do less but it feels like the overwhelming majority of the public have been supportive through this difficult period of the police's mission uh, amongst them and, and it's good that we can recognize that because normality at some point will will return to our communities uh, we hope uh, yeah. and we've seen in the last uh, few weeks um, some changes to our social restrictions um, and I think as um, the lockdown eases as, it, as it's being described it'd be quite interesting to talk about how um, our communities can see that policing mission and your colleagues' um, style of policing continue to uh, to evolve because crime's not uh, uh, stood still during uh, the last few months, have it? We have still seen uh, some elements of, of crime carrying on and um, how you're working uh, with those communities to tackle that. Um, I think we'll start to get back up the agenda again. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen an increase actually in calls for service and incidents reported uh, than, than compared to this time last year, whilst we've seen crime slightly lower. But that crime number is starting to get back to what we would call normal and the incidents are starting to, to drop back down. So we, we will see that return closer to normality for policing, but it's potentially many months uh, months away. Because one of them um, I was going to touch on was around uh, people who unfortunately die or, or seriously injured on our roads. Um, the, the biggest killer or the causer of harm is, uh, you know, is likely to be our, our roads. And um, I would uh, always, uh, you know, do a lot of work around road safety, and I know the force has. Um, during lockdown, we've seen a dramatic reduction uh, in, thankfully, in those um, in those figures of people being injured or killed on our roads. As the normality returns, uh, unfortunately, that number might go back up again. But it, it is issues like that of where the force working with our community um, and our partners as to how we deal with some of the things that are causing. Uh, that most harm because it's shown hasn't it during lockdown volume going down dramatically reduction in in the number of people being injured and how we don't just accept it going back to uh, the previous levels and, then, and there's potentially a lot of learning you know why have certain things why have certain crimes reduced is there because there's less opportunity perhaps for people to sell stolen goods 
because those avenues, those secondhand stores are closed at the moment. So actually, if, if someone's going to commit a burglary or theft, but they can't then get rid of the items that they steal. So actually, should we work harder, which we're starting to do through We Don't Buy Crime and working with those secondhand stores. So when they do reopen, actually, we still make it incredibly difficult for people to dispose of stolen items. So we need to think really creatively around why have certain crime types reduced? What was the reason for that? And how can we try and keep that going as we get back to normality and everything opens up? So we're really trying to study and analyse and understand what's happened and why, why things have reduced. Because the, um, the pandemic and the health emergency is forcing us to think differently, isn't it? We are, we are thinking differently as a result, aren't we, now when we go into shops. We're queuing out things, side things that we wouldn't normally queue out. Our experience in shops is different. We can force ourselves to do things differently. And crime prevention is one of those areas. And uh, uh, the forces journey on, on crime prevention with communities, I think, is a, is a fascinating one. And there might be that opportunity as, as the uh, businesses start to Reopen. I've been very impressed, and you touched on We Don't Buy Crime, with the We Don't Buy Crime teams during lockdown, continuing their engagement with places like uh, petrol stations and, and other uh, vulnerable, more rural properties, for example, um, who uh, during the lockdown uh, might have been more um, exposed to uh, being the victim of crime. And is that um, how you see crime prevention uh, carrying on being um, expanded across West Mercia via that we don't buy crime vehicle and is it worth just setting out a little bit more around the structure uh, behind the project and uh, what a difference it would make to our our communities? Yeah so we don't buy crime it's a holistic approach so it's an all-encompassing approach to acquisitive crime so like we've just talked about is it the the work that we're doing with second-hand stores to uh, work with them to make sure that they're operating in the right way, that they're sharing information intelligence with us. We're doing the same with fuel stations now. So not only do people potentially make off without paying for their fuel, but actually we've seen some incredibly tragic cases across the country where people have died in the back of uh, HGVs and other wagons. You know, actually those people are being transported across the country. Those people have to stop for fuel. Um, are we seeing suspicious activity around young people in vehicles late at night? Actually, are those staff who work in those premises calling us, giving us information, intelligence, raising concerns? That then works across the work that we're now doing with our business communities. Uh, again, some of those have felt very vulnerable uh, because businesses have been closed. They haven't had people in those premises. So we've been providing advice around how they can make sure that their buildings are secure, you know, where they store things. Um, also, that we make sure that we do those patrols, that we provide them with uh, things such as smart water to actually mark property. Um, we're doing work currently with the farming community. You know, farmers incredibly busy this time of year and banks, they, they have equipment which is worth significant amounts of money often to be able to do their business and they feel incredibly vulnerable because of their geography. Um, so again, we're out working with them, socially distancing while we do it, but putting signage up, letting criminals know that these individuals are working with us, that they're clued up about crime prevention and that we take a real interest. And you've had some successes from the particular approach, especially around residential burglary. Uh, and we've seen significant reductions here in, uh, in residential burglary, and that comes down testament to that, to that we don't buy crime approach. Yeah, and really, and that was the essence of where we started uh, a few years ago. We put a lot of time and effort with the support of yourself in terms of the funding that you is required often with these schemes to make sure that they have the impact. 
you know, we've now got over 50,000 homes that are marked with a property marking, so smart water solution. You know, that is a deterrent to criminals because if they take that property, if they then take it to a shop to sell it, then the shops are now checking, is it marked with a UV property marking solution? Uh, they then won't buy it, they'll call us, etc. We've had a number of excellent calls from those stores. But also it's about the community coming together. So as part of that and as part of providing these kits, working with town and parish councils, it's actually telling people to report suspicious activity, how they do it, how do they speak with their neighbours. I definitely think as a community, potentially and I think it's one of the things from the health emergency that has perhaps uh, improved in terms of you know we see people out on our doorsteps on Thursday evenings people are certainly talking in in their communities we're noticing things that are abnormal uh, or suspicious and we're getting calls in and and I really hope that we can build on that and with uh, projects such as we don't buy crime build that confidence in the community to work with us because we police by consent we absolutely need them Vulnerability in a community is, is, a, is an interesting part of crime prevention and, and preventing people um, being harmed. And uh, during the pandemic, you're right, uh, communities knowing more what's around them, less living in splendid isolation, more understanding what is around them. And uh, it is one of the areas that we've seen nationally some focus on um, crime behind the front door, you know, families that aren't maybe... Um, uh, there is violence in the household or, or neglect of, of, of those uh, dependents in that household. Um, just give me a flavour as to, um, obviously it does link with some of the we don't buy crime stuff, but just give me a flavour of how West Mercia respond and adapt to uh, those kind of changing crime types. So after our roads, the most amount of harm caused is behind uh, you know, closed doors. And again, I think that's an area that's always been seen as a real challenge for policing. You know, if, if there's uh, problems around uh, pubs or nightclubs and violence associated with alcohol, the, license, perception, the perception is yeah. that the police can go and be visible. We can go and deal with that. How do you access behind someone's front door to make sure that a child's safe or that a domestic violence victim is safe? Um, and... I think policing has come a long way with our partners over recent years. You know, we work incredibly closely with them now. We've got joint units where our police staff, staff from the council, children's services, the local education authority, where they work together, we share information. So, for example, if we do go to a domestic incident this evening um, and it, it's an incident between uh, a, a couple, if there are children there, we record those children's details, those children's details are then shared with the school to let them know that there's been an incident the night before. So then that provides us with another avenue. You know, the school can help safeguard the children, but also if the school then starts seeing stuff moving forward that's concerning, then we can start to put those pieces together to make sure that we do everything we can to protect those people. Because the community's got a role as well, haven't they, in terms of... Um, uh behind the privacy of the household, well, it doesn't matter if I hear screaming or shouting or or I notice that the children aren't maybe as engaged as they... Well, it should. Be. Everybody's got a responsibility to speak out if they're seeing things they don't like, including in domestic settings. It's not about uh, ratting or indeed snitching, is it? It's about just making sure we're looking out for each other. No, and, I, and that's the one thing I always encourage the public to do is, is to call us about anything suspicious, whether it's vulnerability or, or just a suspicious vehicle in an area, etc. Because 
I think sometimes people think, well, I called and I didn't see a police officer turn up in the next 30 minutes. So actually it was a waste of time. A huge amount of what we do and we're trying to progress and become even better at this is building intelligence, understanding patterns and trends, you know, where are vulnerable people in our community? And if the community don't tell us, it's very difficult, like you said, with just over 2,000 officers to be able to keep that eye on 1.2 million people. So we are building and improving our processes, really encourage the public to to come forward. Um, And you just never know, it's people sometimes are worried about wasting our time or the well, you know, what if I call the police? It's actually, what if you don't? If you And we always sort of say to people, think of it in that way. If you don't call us and something happened, you know, how on earth would you feel about that? I've uh, tried to describe it to, because uh, I get asked the questions about, I didn't want, I didn't want to, I didn't want to bother the police. Well, I, I, we do need the public to be responsible as to the type yeah. of things that they tell the police. But if, if it's bothered you enough to, you know, to, to question as to what is really happening, then, um, telling somebody, telling the police, it is an opportunity for the police then to make a judgment, isn't it? Your, your call handlers or the people receiving those calls are highly trained in dealing with them. They might know some of the wider intelligence, might they? And be able to knit some of it, some of it together. But, uh, you'll never get told off for ringing the, the police, will you, West Mercia, unless you're perhaps ringing them because you've lost the remote control or your, or your pepperoni pizza's not arrived with the no. right pepperoni on it. <laughs> and that is the only one. And again, during the, the health emergency, that's the one thing we have been asking because we saw an increase in call volumes is just make sure when you think is this a plea that's the only thing we ask you know if it's anything to do with anyone's safety etc then absolutely call us but if it's you know your washing machine isn't working or you've got a leak etc you know it's amazing the calls that we do get which then potentially slows us down in our ability to answer calls from others that do really need us so that's the only caveat we ever put call us about anything that you've just got that gut instinct isn't quite right because we will have hopefully far more information either to reassure that there's nothing to worry about or to build that picture and do something about it. Because there's lots of ways to do it as well in terms of uh, information sharing with the police all the way through from the traditional 999 in emergency, 101 in, in, in non-emergency for telephone numbers. You also advertise your local policing colleagues um, direct uh, emails and uh, mobile telephone numbers as well of your local policing teams for those non-emergency community discussions. Yeah, and it, it's interesting with, with COVID, you know, we've really advertised. If you think that there was breaches earlier on when the lockdown was far more restrictive than it is now, then we were really encouraging people to report it online and we had hundreds, thousands of online reports. And again, the reason that that was useful is allowed us to build that picture of, you know, we wanted to make sure that we enforced against those that were deliberately putting the community at harm. So if that's an individual over and over again, or having large numbers of people at their address, we were going to go and take action. If it was a one-off and, you know, we wouldn't have known the circumstances, it could have been someone dropping off medicine or or checking on a loved one or concerned, etc., then that one-off report probably didn't result in any action at all on our part. So that just highlights that the more avenues that the public have to contact us, whether it's online, whether it's direct with their safer neighbourhood teams, whether it's 101 in a non-emergency or 999, then I just hope that the public feel that we are more and more accessible now when they need us. Because um, the, the ability to be able to report online is a fairly recent one, uh, but uh, seems to be taken up uh, by our community in terms of a, a channel they, they, they want to use. It does, and, I, and uh, policing UK-wide is 
probably been slightly slower off the mark, uh, as often, unfortunately, public services are with financial constraints in terms of the use of technology and making us as accessible and as easy to use. Um, but we are desperately trying to make sure that we are. That ability to record a crime online is, is coming and that you can do that, but that will improve over the next few years. Um, and hopefully we're looking at ways, how can we communicate with someone perhaps who is a victim of crime? Is there an ability for them to be able to look up their own investigation? So when the officer who's dealing is on a night shift and they don't want to be ringing, understandably, the victim or they go on leave for a week, etc., that we're empowering uh, our public to be able to see what we're doing so that we're open, honest, transparent and that they truly can understand what we're doing and when we're doing it. So um, the other thing I was just going to uh, going to touch on was um, the next phase of uh, uh, step towards normality, I think like shops opening, but then also some of the more nighttime economy. Um, uh, so obviously West Mercy will be starting to think about that. Yeah. Um, just give us a flavour as to the attitude of, uh, or, or towards that as to how or how you see that being policed. Yeah, and it's interesting because we don't yet know how lockdown will be loosened, as people call it, um, how things like pubs, restaurants, licensed premises... Will queuing to seems to be the essential... Queuing is the nouveau, how do we keep people entertained when they're queuing, <laughs> etc.? Um, so things like we have changed our officers' shift patterns over the last couple. We wanted to make sure that more officers were available uh, when people were out and about. So actually people weren't out much beyond midnight. That might be the case uh, in, in normal times on Friday, Saturday nights, etc. So we're looking at what are the restrictions going to, how are they going to ease? What's that going to mean in terms of where the public are going to be and when? So then how do we realign to make sure our officers are available uh, to deal with those things. We work very closely with licensed premises, doing licensing visits, uh, and we've had great success in reducing violent crime in key areas by doing that and being intrusive and making sure that businesses are acting responsibly. So in essence, I see it as an extension of that. We'll be going in as part of our licensing visits and working with our partners like Fire, etc., looking at are they operating in that way that is keeping the public safe, the work with public health, are, are those distances uh, that they need to be keeping correct. The last thing we want to do is have all the good work that everyone's done over the last few months undone by three or four large pubs, completely flouting rules, having hundreds of people in when they shouldn't, uh, and that they're then seeing spikes in infection rates across West Mercia. So, um, I see it very much, again, working with the community, those calls in to say, actually, we're really concerned. We don't think that they're complying with whatever those regulations look like. And we will be very much on the front foot to make sure that we go and uh, intervene as early as possible. It's um, whatever that new normal looks like. It sounds like West Mercia Police uh, will continue its previous uh, approach, which is to engage and work with those communities as to how how they are police because it is one of our central principles that the consent coming from and then uh, you know that delivers a partnership doesn't it in how policing yeah. is and delivered yeah and we've got to understand that I can't comprehend for some of these small businesses the impact that the last few months has had you know it's completely it would have been inconceivable just 
four or five months ago to think that these small businesses would be closed and have been closed for a while, um, that they reopen, you know, they need to make a living, etc. So I think we need to almost be there sometimes as that critical friend. Uh, we will be intrusive in terms of how they're operating, making sure that social distancing is observed, well, again, whatever that looks like and what the regulations say, but it will be an engaging and educating style but for those in the community that are worried, if people are deliberately flouting those regulations and putting people in danger, then we will enforce and we will be robust about that. But the great thing across West Mercia is that that's a really rare occurrence. The, um, the force, um, we've touched on a couple of times around the number of police officers. Now, West Mercia is more than just its uniformed police officers. There are also uh, special volunteers. There are um, civilian volunteers and there are civilians that support the wider system of policing, but West Mercia Police is growing at the moment. Uh, there's been a lot of play on the on the numbers being recruited. Um, ha- has that um, is that still happening during lockdown? Are there still the progression of new uh, police officers arising and uh, joining the the ranks out there across the three counties? Yeah, and it's a it's one where it's been a real challenge in terms of how do you train your new officers whilst observing social distancing. We've looked at things like officer safety training. You know, we practice handcuffing and other bits on each other during our training. Uh, how are we managing that during uh, lockdown? You know, I'm really pleased that we've managed to do that. We've managed to keep the recruitment going. Um, those new officers are coming through and they are on uh, people's streets uh, as we speak. Um, that will continue to be the case over the coming weeks and months. Uh, we're putting plans in place about how the uplift in those offices, where those offices will, will go and where they will work. Some will work on our roads. Some will focus on how do we problem solve and, and keep our communities safe. Others will be working in our investigation teams and making sure that we investigate crime as promptly and as efficiently and effectively as possible, bringing people to justice as the community expect. So in that sense, it's it's an exciting time for us in that we've had to evolve, learn how to do uh, more in many ways with less, and now is an opportunity for us to really improve the service that we offer as we start to get a few more officers. It's, um, it's a fascinating time uh, for uh, policing, and I... Uh, talking to the chief constable as we went into lockdown, my concern over the maintaining that consent and uh, you know the support to the public, um, uh, one of my fears, and uh, I've been incredibly proud of the way West Mercia has responded to the challenge, and I've got no doubt that um, you know with the right support, the support from the public, the partnership from the public, uh, that we will deal with the next uh, with the next phase, whatever that might uh, be, and it feels like we're in a positive place. Um, positive place to do that. Um, Tom, I want to thank you for joining uh, today and talking, giving us some of your insight into um, local policing um, here. It's a fascinating time, I think, to be involved in in policing and a time of growth, but also a time of, of new challenges almost daily um, uh, time. But I want to thank you for taking part today. Thank you very much, Dean. I've enjoyed the opportunity to uh, to talk with you and and thank the community for their work, but also all the officers and staff across West Mercia who've continued to come to work 24-7, 365, as they do whilst they've had their families at home that they've got concerns about, etc. Uh, and it, for me, it's been a privilege to, to lead them during these times. So, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you.